Yeah! This never gets old. This is my favorite part, man. When I hear, when I hear Feline Fox. Hey, it's BT Tales from a Gemini. And uh, before I even get right to it, man, R.I.P. to one of the greatest comics ever, Mr. Paul Mooney passed away. And uh, iconic. He wrote for Richard Pryor, and he was one of those guys. I don't think there'll be another uh, Paul Mooney around because he went on stage. He literally told it like it was, and people would walk out on him, and he didn't care. It was beautiful, man. So R.I.P. to Paul Mooney, and I don't even know how. Aside from Paul Mooney to my next guest. My next guest, man, I just remember my next guest. I remember for some reason my fondest memory, my first memory of her was at a Denny's in Laguna Seca during MotoGP weekend. It was her and her friend. And it, it, where, I can't remember what I ordered. I don't know if we ate together. I just remember they were there. I was like, okay, who is this? And I remember hitting on you, but you were so beautiful the way you deflected because I like for some, I don't know how but I think I got your phone number no I never got your phone number but I think we communicated through through uh, uh, like I guess direct message whatever but the way you deflected I was like hey you know blah, blah, I kind of kind of like you blah, blah. and you're like you know what you should like my friend and you kept deflecting me to your friend to the point I go yeah I don't think she likes me but it was so nice that we you know we became friends and it wasn't like anything mean but you were just that Minnesota nice that like you know what oh you might like my friend better She's from Brazil, blah, blah, blah. I was like, hey, but how about you? My friend from Brazil, you should really try to like her. And I was like, you know what? I don't think this girl likes me, but we can be friends. <laughs> so my guest is Jenny Shearman, a mental performance coach and an executive coach. Jenny, how you doing? I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I did <didn't>. I, re- <laughs> I, I, I remembered meeting you at the, at, the, at the after party before that. I had completely forgot about blowing you off after that. Uh, it's okay. Everybody blows me off. But I mean, we're friends, though. I mean, you know what? You yeah. got to shoot your shot. And I, I, and, and I wasn't and I wasn't like, you know, like uh, rude about it. I was kind of I was trying to I was trying to be the because the, I, I looked at you the, the long game like, oh, my gosh, she could be a, a perfect Miss T. So, you know, I went, the, I went the long way around. And obviously you were like, I'm not really interested, but he seems like a nice a nice chap. And so and look at us. And now we're friends and you're, and you're on my show. So, so it all worked out in the end. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How are you? How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for taking me back to 2013. That was amazing. That that was a great time is what it was. And that's why, like I said, I first met you and you, we, we were both in the motorsports and you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you worked for a Triumph dealership, I think in, uh, in San Jose, was it? I was at that time. Yeah, I was working for a, a Triumph KTM and BMW dealership in, in the Bay Area at that time. I had recently transplanted myself to California from Minnesota and was working in F&I. So was making the big dollars, but at that time, <laughs> living in California, let me tell you, that didn't really matter. <laughs> no, trust me, I used to live in California too, so I know, I trust me, I know. I just remember, I always remember everything about uh, the, what, what a, a hot woman, you always remember everything. That's why I remember the, the Triumph dealership. I remember asking her, I said, are you going to do, are you going to ride dirt? Are you ever going to, I mean, I remember going down the line with you. And like I said, it was weird because you let me, you know, we, we communicated and it, was, it never got weird. It never got, you know what I mean? It never got that kind of like, oh man, I liked her so oh God, this guy used to like me. I'm acting like I don't know him. We've always been good and communicated and you've always, what I loved about it is you've always been a supporter of this show. Because sometimes, you know, doing this, I never knew if anybody was watching or, you know, or, or how I was doing. And it meant so much. I forget who the guest was, but you go, oh, great job with that guest. And I was like, really? You watch? And you're like, of course. And that man, I mean, and I mean that, 
that meant the me. that meant the world to me. It, it really did. That meant the world to me, and I was like, "Wow!" And I think, in a way, it, we got reconnected with our tightness. You know what I mean? Because sometimes yeah. you fade away a little bit because it's just the nature of uh, human life. Mm-hmm. And you said that I was like, "Man, thank you," and that helped me so much. And I was like, "You know, I want to get her as a guest." And then, you know, through life and everything, and I hit you up yet yeah, last week. Hey, you want to be a guest? You go, oh, I think we can make that work. And yeah. here we are. And here I we think are. it was the it was the the Domi show. The, the who show? Which one? Domi. Oh my God! How much do we love Domi? Is he not the love greatest? Him. Yes, absolutely. He cracks me up. Yeah. I like his I like his personality, and I like how he smiles all the time because a lot of not a, that sounds bad. Uh, there there's a good amount of athletes that maybe don't have that same similar kind of lighthearted uh, um, personality, and so I enjoy when somebody can smile even when they're not having the best day. So yeah, I. I, I, I engage in a lot of his stuff, too, because I'm like, keep smiling. I like that. I dig that. Well, smiling is all about. I mean, when it gets bad, I mean, you always got to smile, man. You always got to yes. smile. Absolutely. So I remember, like, um, commenting on something on, on that show because I was like, oh, that's awesome. He's having him on. I love that. Oh, thank you. I mean, it from the bottom heart. And I know you're from uh, Minnesota. Like, you're from northern Minnesota, aren't you? I'm from, well, so I was born in Minneapolis, okay. um, born there, but I was actually, a lot of people don't know this, I was adopted, and so I was raised in a, a town on the border of Minnesota and North Dakota um, called Moorhead, which is uh, like right next to Fargo. I performed there. I, I perform there regularly yeah. at, at Courtney's. It's called Courtney's. I perform I there. Courtney's, yeah, Courtney's Comedy Club, yeah. Yes. I. Oh, my gosh. So it's like we probably ran into each other and didn't even know it. Probably. I mean, Probably. I remember, yeah, Moorhead was some good time. I mean, I just remember it being so cold. I had, and then, that was back in the day, you had to do radio. So I literally yeah. would like go in and I had to uh, warm the car up and I was freezing. I, I remember I hated life. I just remember going, you know what, God, it's okay if you take me now because I'm that cold. If <laughs> you take, yeah, if, if, if you go ahead and take me now, I understand because I'm that cold. I was miserable. I remember that. So that. Whenever somebody's like, why did you leave Minnesota? Like, the people are wonderful. It's beautiful. It's so, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it is. But have you been there when it's like bone chilling cold, when you're like frozen down to literally like, you know, your inner core and you're just like. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's that's why I left. (laughs) You never got used to it. You never got used to it. There's not a get used to it. Did you get used to it? Well, that's different because you live there. And some people, no, honestly, not. well, some people, when they're from there, you know, they kind of make fun of people like, yeah, hey, you're not from here, are you? And they're like, yeah, it's cold, but you're not from here. Like, like that was their kind of like rite of passage. Like, yeah, I feel like that's bullshit. Quite <laughs> I don't know. I, and I'm sure my Scandinavian ancestors are really embarrassed with me. Like, I, I did a 23andMe and um, like the biggest part of me, I think, is like English and Irish. And then there's like a big chunk that is like Norwegian Scandinavian and I feel like those people are looking down on me and they're like is she really like what is she doing she's not representing at all but (laughs) I just I hate it I I always hated the cold I always like I would get depressed like super depressed I was diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder when I was a teenager I, I don't do well when the sun is not out I don't do well when it's cold and it's gray and I can't can't do it really I was the bad Viking, like my. <laughs> <laughs> you were the bad Viking. You were the pussy Viking, guys. It's, it's too cold. Hey, not that much, no. Like I would, I would have killed you with my bare hands. You but like I would have been really, I would have been really depressed about it. Well, you didn't get to say it like that. I mean, I was just yeah. joking. You, you, you meant that. 
I mean, I still would have killed you. I would have taken your life, but I wouldn't have liked it because I would have. I didn't have my mittens on me. <laughs> wow, wow, you took it to a whole nother level. I was, just, I was just joking. You said that with a with, with that coolness of a cold blooded killer. No, I still would have taken your life, but I wouldn't have liked I, it. Got it. I mean, my I mittens. do, I do still have the helm of awe um, oh, tattooed at, on. Yeah, oh yeah. Look at you. I like that. I like yeah. that. I mean, so what? What? What age were you when you were adopted? Uh, eight days. This one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So growing up there, what, uh, what sports were you into? Uh, did you participate in? I participated. I was in dance and gymnastics. My dad tried to put me into soccer when I was just <laughs> a little thing. Yeah. And apparently I didn't take so well to the team sports. Okay. Um, when I found out we had to pass the ball and I didn't get to keep it, that wasn't as much fun <laughs> for me. So, um, no, I, I did, I did better with the, the more individual sports, although I was on dance line in high school and that is a, a team, like a competition type of a thing. But, okay. um, I liked anything that was like more creative and allowed you to be um you know or that expressed I guess flexibly because I was very I was flexible I, I like to dance I like to you know the gymnastics was fun for me too but anything that was kind of like movement of like the body in an expressive way nice okay okay now when did your love for motorsports happen so a neighbor had a motorcycle um he had as I believe it was a ZX6 it was a ninja um and it was back in the well I won't say back when it was because that would be aging myself <laughs> oh no come on come on you I, you know what honestly you look like you're about 26 27 yeah I, that's total. that's absolutely what I am that's 100% well, but that's what you look like honestly how, how do you feel how do you feel how do you feel oh, I feel like a baby I feel like I'm like 21 well that's what it is then age is unless, nothing but a number so you look like unless, you're 26 so unless, I have too many cocktails and then then the next morning I'm like, no, 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 I'm definitely not that age anymore. I'm way older than that. (laughs) Because as you get older, you do not recover from hangovers like that anymore. And you learn to, that you go to bed at nine o'clock and just, that's not what it happens. But no, so neighbor had a, had a motorcycle and the, the family that I grew up in, they were not into motorsports. Like I remember watching F1 back in, Back in the 90s, just whatever. Tell the, just tell the uh, yeah. year. Come on. I was a huge Senna fan. And so I like I remember that. But this, like we were, you know, it was cold. So we rode snowmobiles and things like that. And yes. I remember liking that speed. Mm-hmm. I, I had a BMX dirt bike, like as my first bike, because I didn't want a girl's bike. So nice. that was always, yeah. I, like I was always a bit of a tomboy. Yes. Boys, like yes. was playing in the trees, hanging out and falling down. So with my my dirt bike my little like you know bmx bike we would go like ride over jumps and hills and like things in in that area but there wasn't motorsport in my circle at all like my my dad was in stick and ball sports my brother same thing most of the people i hung out with that was their thing right and so neighbor um has this motorcycle i remember my mom saying don't you ever get on the back of that thing I know what happened. So, <laughs> yeah. Me, I'm like, when can I get on the back of that thing? <laughs> I knew that was coming. So, you know, snuck and, and was sneaky about it, but, you know, managed to get a ride and was like, this is amazing. Like, this is so cool. And then, you know, as I got out of high school and, and got, uh, I moved away from where I grew up and moved down to the Minneapolis area and most of the rest of my adult life living in Minnesota, that's where I lived, started to be friends with people who 
either raced because Brainerd is not that far away. And right. We've got CRA, which is the series there. Right. And so started to just, I guess, organically be around people who raced, whether that was most of them semi-professionally, you know, it was, um, CRA is not a, it's a local series. Mm -hmm. And then some of them AMA. And so that's kind of how it started to happen. And then as, as it happens, um, some of those racers started to become in, interested in me. I'm at the track. They're interested. And I, I accidentally dated a racer or two. And you accidentally dated did. a racer? Accidentally. Is it kind of like yes. that? It's kind of like, hey, how'd you get your chocolate my peanut butter? That kind of, hey, it's Reese's. Pe I mean, kind of like that. Is that, is that how it happened? Yeah, I feel that that's really how it happened because it was not intentional. Like in, in my mind. Whatever. I, <laughs> Whatever. Who no, you, I'm serious. Who you fooling? It, it was not me pursuing them by any means. It was uh, well, because I, I, would, I used to, and, and what I feel like I gravitate towards is people who are, which I guess now that I think about this while I'm talking out loud is not exactly like the opposite of, of somebody who races, but um, what do you gravitate I, toward? What do you get? What do you, what do you gravitate toward? Or you know, before I guess motorsports, what did you gravitate toward? Yeah. So I had worked prior to being in the motorsports industry. I was in insurance and financial services. Oh, boring. I, I was securities registered. Oh, that's boring. And so I tended to be, you know, I guess attracted to people who were highly driven, worked way too much. Stable. Uh, Stable. Stable. Yeah. Went to bed at eight thirty. Said their prayers at eight forty-five. Probably, but, but workaholics, you know, yep. for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but people that you know were, yeah, I guess, yeah. They they, they didn't cross the line. It was more. It was more a structured lifestyle. If they crossed the line, it was, you know, that they were going from finance to whatever. <sighs> yeah, like. They drove, I know. they drove 56 one time and went, oh, my God, I'm getting crazy. Oh, it's a Friday night. Oh, I, I might stay up to 1130. Oh, I'm getting crazy. That kind well, of and the, the funny thing, too, is like I had sort of started to and I remember exactly when this was. So and again, I'll throw out years because I don't care anymore. Whatever. <laughs> Good. There you go. Yeah. Um, 2000. Seven, eight. Uh -huh. um, so I had I had a couple like smaller tattoos, but I decided to get a my first larger tattoo because I was really sick. I was getting really sick of you know, um, be, like feeling very confined. Uh -huh. uh oh. And here we go. So oh yeah, yep. so here, here starts here starts the rebellion. Here starts Jenny. Here we go. Out of, out of the mold. Here we go. So most people that know me or, you know, I've seen some of my, my profile pictures have seen the big giant tattoo on the back. Yes. So that was my first large tattoo. Okay. Because I remember my mother saying, which, you know, our parents will say things and they will stick with us and trying to get some of those things unlearned. Oh my goodness. It will take a while. But yes. I remember my mother saying to me, whatever you get, just make sure that it's something that you can cover up if you need to for a job interview. <laughs> God bless her. I mean, but that, that, that's, that's that old school thinking, you know, no. it really, and you can't really blame them. You can't no. really blame them. They want you to have no. a job. So that's yes. great. That's great. And what so, did you think? What did you think when she said that? I remember like rolling my eyes. Cause I, I, I rolled my eyes at my mom a lot, especially you know <laughs> during that time. 
Yeah. Because I thought that I knew everything, you know. Of and course. I knew, I knew so much better than she did. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> you know, she, she, she was a teacher for 32 and a half years, and what the hell did I know? And, mm-hmm. um, but uh, so I, I listened. I just got a big giant thing on my back, and I could cover that up and, you know, whatever, and it was fine. And so continued on in my nice little safe world, but then started to, you know, dabble by, and I did start writing dirt to answer your question. That's that's what I did. I wrote dirt and started to date people that rode motorcycles, raced motorcycles, hung out at the track a lot. Um, Start going out of your comfort zone. Yeah. That turned into um, running a race performance shop in Wisconsin, traveling around the US, being, you know, at the racetrack pretty much all the time. But at that time, were you not enjoying life to the fullest at that moment? Were you not, did you not feel alive? Minus the shitty relationship, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Was was it with a racer? Yeah. Were you both in your 20s? Uh, No, we were both in our 30s. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well then, uh, okay. Well, it was probably his fault. You know, guys never grow up. It was completely his fault. Of course it is. It's always our fault. It's always our fault. You girls are angels. You girls are angels. I am an angel. Duh. Hello. Yeah. It it goes St. Peter. No, it goes you, (laughs) then St. Peter and the rest of them. I mean, seriously. I feel like I'm probably slightly under those guys. (laughs) Oh my God. Slightly. I know know my place. It's fine. It's okay. I was raised Catholic. I feel like I know where I fall. Slightly under. Okay. Okay. So so you went, was he, now I don't want to get in your bit, but was he like a big racer or just kind of a local racer in a a regional? Just local. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not not anybody particularly special. Okay. Okay, so you made the you made the. Leap. I had a lot of therapy around it. It's okay. It's, I can say that now. It's, it's okay. Great. I mean, it's, hey, it's, it's your show. It's your show. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's all you, baby. So yeah. you made the leap to California, and I want to know when did you decide? You know what? I want to get into the coaching aspect, the mental mm. coaching aspect, because I mean, because honestly, it's like the last I remember we talked for a little bit. And, you know, like I said, life happened or whatever. And it was never a nasty thing. And like, oh, she don't like me. It was more like, you know, just life happens. I mean, honestly, life was happening. And, yeah. I, just, and I just remember going, you know, you were working at that dealership. And then all of a sudden, I see you like power lifting. I think it was you got in CrossFit big time. And mm-hmm. then you got into this mental coaching aspect. And that's, yep. and, that was, and that's what really intrigued me. And how did you get into that? So we saw each other. I, after that, I moved to the central coast of California because I had gotten offered a job at a winery. I'm like, this is great. And it's out of motorsports and it's a little bit different and I'll try it. That didn't last very long because the winery got bought out. Mm -hmm. And so we were all laid off. So I ended up moving to Southern California and working for Kawasaki. That's where you saw me powerlifting and all that. Yeah. Was enjoying things. Um, Working for an OEM is different. Mm -hmm. And could you explain what OEM is to the uh, viewers who don't know anything about motorcycles? Yeah, absolutely. So original equipment manufacturer. So those of you that maybe are not on the motorsport side of things, Mm -hmm. that would be like Ford or, you know, any of the the, the big manufacturers of vehicles. Same thing on the on the motorcycle side of things. You've got Kawasaki, you've got Yamaha, you've got Suzuki. Honda. So, yep, Honda. I'm just going to get to them. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Triumph, KTM, all the fun ones. There you go. Um, but yeah, it's basically the manufacturer. So um, 
most of the manufacturers have their their headquarters which are sometimes in another country they're the, the big big head headquarters so for the japanese brands or in japan right and then there's the u.s headquarters so i worked for kawasaki in california southern california and i was in training and development i was sales training for kawasaki and so how i ended up getting into mental performance coaching or executive coaching or coaching in any way was it all kind of started when I was there. I really liked what I was doing. I enjoyed creating sales training. I enjoyed talking to dealers. But while I was there, I had a conversation with one of our HR guys because I had I was in management in several of my different positions throughout my career. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in a mentoring role a lot. And so I said to him, you know, is there some type of, you know, like, is there, is there a coaching thing or is it, you know, it came up in a you know, conversation, like an organic conversation, like, Hey, how, how would this, is there a thing? Is this a thing? I didn't even know that that was a thing that, that there was a, uh, an actual, um, a field mm-hmm. because it, it's still, it's, I mean, it's still fairly new, right? It's been around for a couple of decades, but it's, it's getting much more organized, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so that was like 2016 mm-hmm. and I got an opportunity to go work for with Nissan through one of my training partners at Kawasaki. Ended up moving to um, to Tennessee right. for a year, and was just finishing my bachelor's. I'd gone back to wrap up my bachelor's. As I'm wrapping up my bachelor's, I see this opportunity for a master's program in executive coaching. At the same time, I had been looking at sports psychology programs because that's. Another avenue, especially if you want to work with athletes, you could get your master's or even your bachelor's in sports psychology. And so I tried to decide which track did I want to go on. Did Mm -hmm. I want to go the sports psychology track or did I want to go um, the master's in executive coaching? And I chose the master's in executive coaching because I wanted to really get hands-on experience in coaching. And I wanted to get a little deeper dive into the psychology of a lot of the background in it, which the program that I took gave me, I already had a, in my undergrad, uh, a pretty good understanding of psychology because originally a million years ago, when I first went to school, I was going to pursue a clinical path to psychology. I was going to be a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And so I, I chose the, the path that I chose for a specific reason. Okay. Um, interspersed with all of that, you know, fun stuff. I also had a lot of really big things happen in my personal life during that time. Yeah. Um, like my mom ended up passing away mm-hmm. from cancer after five years. I remember that. Yep. Um, and prior to that, even, uh, one of my exes back in 2016, um, who used to race, um, he died suddenly of a heart attack. So it was like, he passes away. Then my mom passes away in 18. And then this last, August, my dad passes away while I'm doing my master's. And so it, it kind of became like a, a, in addition to being like a personal mission, it became like a, a thing that I want to do to, my mom never finished her master's. She was working on her master's while we were like little kids and she never finished. And so it was like, my mom never finished hers. I want to make sure that I finish mine in order to I don't know, make my parents proud, I guess. Sort yeah. Now, was it cathartic for you when, when you did finish it? It was weird because of COVID and 
not being able, I, I could have walked. So the actual ceremony for my, uh, my cohort just happened in on May 8th. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of people, it was a modified ceremony. Right. <clears throat> and so I chose not to go to California to walk in the ceremony. Okay. When I finished, it, it was, it was amazing. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not going to say that it wasn't amazing, right. but it was also a little bit empty well, because it, it, I, I think because I had put so much pressure on myself. Yeah. So my, my mom passed away during my bachelor's, me finishing uh, my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. My dad passed away during me finishing my, um, my master's. Mm. And I think I, mm. and, and I did them continuously. So from 2016 until literally just this end of February, yeah. I'd been working on both. And I think the reason, and, and I tell clients this, like, be careful how much pressure you put on yourself to like achieve a goal. Because sometimes when you're, when you're pushing yourself towards those goals, you'll have, you'll have what I just ended up having. It was kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. And how was that anti-command? I mean, because I mean, I, I know you talked about you said one way to push your buttons is to say perfection because mm-hmm. we can't. Prefer- and so, you know, you're trying to achieve that and you achieved it. But yes. why? But why was it empty? Because I would think I would think and just coming from my perspective that, OK, I did this for myself, but also because my mom didn't do it because uh, because of us. I did mm-hmm. it for you, mom. And then, uh, you know, hey, dad, I'm doing this and, and he passed away, but I completed dad. I did it for us. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, you know, looking at it from my perspective. So yeah. how was it empty in that aspect? So there's a really amazing um, sports psychologist who I just listened to a podcast of, of her, well, Brene Brown, but she was on it. And mm-hmm. the way that she, she explains this is, is, is actually brilliant and it's literally just what happened to me so there's there's deep wins and there's shallow wins and what happened to me is is a perfect example of what's what's called a shallow win when we tie our achievements and our goals and things that we want to what other people maybe want for us or external validation usually oh i love that okay okay it it ends up not resonating with us so why and it wasn't totally um empty when i got there i'm not i'm not going to say like i wasn't because I, it did feel really good to to accomplish it and and there were pieces of it that um you know that i was like holy shit like i finished that like i did that thing like there there were pieces of that um but i i think that um with that shallow win and this could be like any goal that somebody would have and like say for for instance like a racer if they are if they don't feel good enough about themselves as they are Mm -hmm. take away the 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 racer persona if you don't feel good enough about you as as you person whoever you are when you get to that podium that place that pinnacle that wherever you're going a lot of times you're going to feel empty inside and it's not going to feel the way you think it's going to feel because it's, it's going to be that shallow wind. You're going to be doing it for, unfortunately, the wrong reasons. You're going to be doing it for, oh, you know, external validation. I want to do it for somebody else, whether that's, you know, a significant other or family, because what I hear a lot of times is people saying, you know, my family has put so much into this, which is not uncommon. My family has done sacrificed so much. My family has done so much. And a lot of times if you tie so much into what somebody else has sacrificed, Mm -hmm. 
when you get there, if you haven't done everything to get right with you, with I'm good enough if I don't get here. It's now, like, I'm good. Now, did you feel like, but did you feel like inside, did you feel good enough for yourself? I mean, did you f- feel good enough for yourself? I mean, did you, how was your self-confidence? I had been, what I didn't realize is um, because of some health issues, I had been struggling over the last several years with some self-confidence. And it's something that I, unfortunately I didn't, I didn't recognize until one of my professors, one of my coaches um, called out in a session, oh, it was about a year ago. So it was well, well, well into all of this. Now, so, can you talk about your, can you talk about your, uh, health issues? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So starting in about six, 2016, mm-hmm. um, I started to notice, um, some kind of odd things that, um, I at first was like, oh, I'm, I'm working too hard because I was at Kawasaki. I had also gone back to start my bachelor's <clears throat> and I was crossfitting. Right. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just, and I was traveling for, for work, um, going to press launches and, um, you know, there was stuff out in Palm Springs a lot for, for dealers. And it just, it was a lot of like back and forth and um, plus trying to manage, you know, full-time work, full-time school. And it was, my mom had been diagnosed not that long before that. Mm-hmm. Going to the doctor, the doctor was like, you know, oh, well, you're, you know, you're, you're just getting older. So a lot of what I was noticing at that time was weight gain, which I had never had right. weight gain and just some other kind of like odd um, symptoms. And so she kind of blew it off and was like, oh, you know, you're just, you're getting older. Oh, okay. Yeah. Except that I'm crossfitting and I eat really clean and, you know, I've never had any weight issues. And so, um, I kind of, I kind of listened to her at first and then it kept happening. Like it kept like it, none of it really. And plus I was feeling exhausted, like exhausted, just absolutely exhausted. Nothing. I couldn't get like a good night's sleep. And there was just, there was all these like kind of myriad of symptoms that I couldn't put a finger on and they did not make sense. Mm-hmm. So I leave California. I'm in Tennessee and it's getting worse. It's not getting better. So I've removed the stressful job situation and I'm in a new environment. You're not traveling as much, not traveling as much. I I'm still in school, but you know, it's long enough into it where I've managed and I've gotten into a rhythm. I wasn't crossfitting anymore because I was literally so exhausted. I had a trainer that I would see once a week and that's all I could manage. I went from, I went from crossfitting three, sometimes even four days down to training one day a week because that's all I could manage. And I forced myself to keep that one day a week. Wow. And mm -hmm, my skin, my hair, like I looked awful, absolutely awful. Mm -hmm. And, um, just like, I was really sensitive to like heat and cold, like super sensitive, couldn't regulate my body temperature. There's crazy, crazy stuff going on. Right. It was, was having my thyroid tested, vitamin D levels, vitamin B12, like all these things. And they, they were all coming back as within normal range. And, and I, you know, I, I was being told, oh, you're fine. You're fine. It's, it's again, you're probably just at a certain age. And I'm like, you tell me one more time. I'm at a certain age. <laughs> one of the ladies said, um, you know, well, maybe you're depressed. And I said, yes, I'm depressed because I'm now fat. So yes, I'm depressed, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I just, I, I felt like I was talking to a brick wall. Finally, 
got a doctor who, you know, would listen. She's like, we're going to get to the bottom of this. I know you feel awful because I did. I felt awful. And I felt like nobody was listening. Was diagnosed with a hormone imbalance and adrenal fatigue. Yes. Uh, One of the members of the female soccer team, U.S. soccer team that won the, uh, the World Cup. I think she was diagnosed with that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was finally, I I was like, Oh, so finally there, you know, there's a, and she showed me literally like on my hormone panel, she's like, this looks like you're in menopause. You're not in menopause. Like what, what, you know, we need to get this fixed. And I'm like, well, this, she, she explained like how all the different levels correlated with these different symptoms. And so that at the end, what was, what was that? July of 18 mm-hmm. started a path back to trying to, you know, quote unquote, fix some of the things that had happened due to me chronically overworking myself and pushing myself. I had basically done it to myself. That was the worst part of it. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. So you did that to yourself? Yes. Holy mo! And those doctors never did die. Sometimes, I, sometimes I, I think doctors are the worst. I really do. I, I, I and you knew, and that had to be so frustrating to know. Listen, you, you you're not listening to me. Something else is wrong, and you you're yes. not getting this. Yes, yeah, and and like the worst part was dealing with like some of the some of like the shame that I felt because all of a sudden like I'm gaining weight. I don't want to be seen you know, I'm, I'm eating well, like I'm, I'm still working out. Like I haven't changed for the first however many years, I hadn't changed any of my habits. I hadn't changed anything. I was literally like, I wasn't doing anything differently and just feeling like I was being dismissed. And so the, the harder part was, and has been the recovery from it because I had to stop working out. Oh, that if you always worked out and you and you can't trust me, I know that 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 is the hardest thing in the world to do. I mean, because you're just you're you're chomping at the bit to do something to do something, whether it's if it's contracting your stomach while you sleep or 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 just lifting something and maybe doing something from from your forearms. I know that feeling. It's the worst. I I had to learn to um, prioritize recovery. I had to learn that sleep was medicine and that um, basically different ways to relax my body because I was pumping out cortisol way more than I was supposed to be pumping out cortisol. I was Mm -hmm. basically in fight or flight all the time. Mm -hmm. And I had to retrain my brain to calm the F down. You can say fuck on here. I don't care. All right, fine. Because I say it a lot. I do Um, too. Hello. That's why I got this show. (laughs) Calm the fuck down. Come on. Don't be a pussy. Talk how you talk. Okay. Um, (laughs) So I had to teach myself to calm the fuck down. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. Show me that Norse Norse heritage in there. Calm the fuck down. Hey! There you go. Literally. Okay. Literally. Like, I, I... one of the, they had a practitioner there that, that taught uh, self-guided meditation. He was taught by a monk. So- yes, I remember reading that and that helped. So all this has to help you now in your practice on being a mental coach. Honestly, it has to because you've been there. You've been through the wars because you've experienced that yourself. So if an athlete says, listen, I'm blah, 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 you go, hey, I know I've been there. You can honestly say I've been there instead of going, I've been there kind of not really, but just saying it to say it. Right. You've actually been there. So you know it's, that. It's the craziest thing because... Um, 
you know, I used to think sometimes it was sort of cheesy when, when, you know, people would say, oh, you know, this prepares you for something else, but like, literally, you know, all of this shitty battle, whatever, um, that I've been going through, it does. Like I, I started to meditate. I started to journal. I started to, to do visualization. And because, the- and because of you, I meditated last night. I don't know if I did it right, but because of you, I meditated last night. At, at 3 o'clock, I could have easily fallen asleep, but I'm trying to find out about you. So it's about 3.30 in the morning, and I go, you know what the hell? And I set my alarm on my phone, and I'm like, hmm. And I did, <laughs> I did that. I meditated last night because of you. So how does the meditation help? And what do you do to meditate? Because, you know, you're meditating all the time, different types of meditation, self-meditate, and then there's transcendental, uh, uh, transcendental meditation. Yep. So to explain this, somebody like myself or people who don't know, what exactly is meditation? Yeah, it, it, there's all different kinds. And way back when I used to do guided meditation. And for somebody who is new to meditation, I usually suggest that they do guided meditation. So like when you hear of the apps like um, Calm and Headspace and, you know, those, those, and then there's tons of YouTube videos on meditation. Yeah. Those are self or those are guided meditations. Um, and what, self, what, what does it help you do? What does it help you do? It helps your central nervous system to relax. It helps you to be present. It helps you to focus on the present because most times when people are anxious, they're focusing either on the past or they're the focusing on the future. And, yes. uh, and okay. So how do you get out of your fucking head? Cause that's where I'm at. I can't, and I think I hit you up even before I had, knew we were gonna be on the show. I go, how do I get out of my head? I mean, that's the biggest problem. Like, I want to achieve all this stuff, and I just feel like I got all these thoughts, and I'm like, how do you, how do you do that? And I, cause I remember I said, should I get some uh, Adderall? And you go, no. You go, you go, hugs, not drugs. And you said that, and that's when I said, you know what? I want to have you on the show because I was, I just been going through it, and I go, I need some help, and I, and I was going, I was going to hit you up and say, should I go to therapy or should I go to a coach? And I go, well, hell, I'll just have you on the show, yeah. and it'll be my free therapy session is basically what I want. Right. So, how do you get out of your head? How does somebody get out of their head? And it might be you go to both because I use both. It, it just really depends on the person and it depends on, you know, what the root of the issue is. Um, there's a lot of people who come to me for coaching and I have to refer them to therapy because maybe there was a lot of trauma in their past or, um, you know, whatever the issue is. I am not a trained therapist. So there are certain things where I go, oh, this is this is past where I want to be digging in. Uh, because the, and some people don't necessarily know. So before I answer your question, um, the difference between therapy or the difference between coaching. So coaching is present or excuse me, is present and future focused. And therapy is usually, you know, present and mostly past, like they'll, they'll dig into a lot of it. That's not to say that, that coaching never, ever deals with anything in the past that we, we don't talk about it. That's, that's not, that's not true, but um, we definitely don't want to be digging around a lot in past traumas and things like that um, because not all of us um, are, you know, have, have the, the, the trained credentialing um, and, and most of us want to be focusing on here and, and going forward. That's just, that's our preference. So um how do you get out of your head? Yeah, how do you get out of your I think I think it's, I don't know about other people. I'm just talking about me. I'm being selfish yeah. now. But, like, it's like I just want to, like, I just feel like 
I can't get out of this. And it's like everything you have on your site, which I love, you know, you say, how do you want to improve focus? Uh, you feel stuck. You want to improve confidence. You, you know, you, uh, you, uh, you feel like, uh, you, you know, uh, you missed out on a promotion. And I'm like, this is all the shit I want to talk to her about. Like, you know, it's like, like, how do I get out of my fucking head? Like, I feel like I'm in my way, like and more often now than, than ever before. And I don't know if it's because maybe I'm getting older and it's like, I, maybe I, I feel self-conscious about stuff or, or I, I don't know. That's why I have you here. Yeah. So when you say that you're like, you're stuck in your head, do you feel like that your thoughts end up going like in circles? And so you can't get stuff done. Is that what you're saying? Like, talk to me more about that. Oh my God. I just feel like I, 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 I yeah, in a way, I guess like I can't, like I have to really, really, really focus on like, I, I try to think about, you know, where I want to be instead of where I'm at. And that's, but to get there on a continual is hard. It's like, I keep, it's, it's these negative ass thoughts that I'm fighting all the time, but I know where I want to be. Like when I meditate last night, I, I was trying to put myself in, in, at the room at the Academy Awards. I'm getting an Academy Award. I'm, I'm you know, they say my name and I'm going, and I'm trying to put myself there, I'm trying to put myself on a movie set, I'm trying to put myself, you know, riding this dirt bike. I'm, I'm eventually going to get, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to, and it's a forcing because it always comes back to something else that I can't get out of. And it's, I feel like it's, I'm spinning like here and I can't get out of it. Like, I feel like I should be someplace else in my life. And I'm and I'm comparing myself, which is something you never should do. But I compare my life to other people's life. And maybe watching or listening to all these podcasts is hurting me because, you know, I'm listening to this podcast and, and these guys are talking and they're basically the same age as me or younger. And they've had this great career. And I'm like, well, fuck, I did this. I'm doing the same shit, but I'm nowhere near the success they had. And now I'm here. And it's like, I, I can't get out of my fucking head. I feel like I should be further in life. So. <laughs> Is that too much? <laughs> no, it's not at all. So a couple of things that I started to do. Uh -huh. And this was, I think, as a result of. Well, for sure it was as a result of my mom passing, but then I got even more tight and intentional with it after my, my dad passed. Mm -hmm. Couple of things. So in addition to the meditating, um, I, I started to get very specific about my routines. I do really well. And some people will say, oh, I don't do well with routine. You're bullshit. Everybody does well with routines. It's whether or not you want to discipline yourself and follow a routine. Yes, self-discipline. Yes. yes, yes, yes. So, how bad do you do you? How much? How much do you enjoy the the discomfort and the pain that you're in right now? And how much would you maybe want to buckle down and follow a, a little bit of a routine and see what that would look like? So, I realized that my free-flowing mornings were not working so well for me. And also my free-flowing evenings were not working so well for me. Um, I suffer from insomnia when I'm not structured. Yes. And that's not, that's not fun. Yeah. So my morning routine looks like I get up and I walk a little dog because he's priority number one. He has <laughs> yes. to go to the bathroom yes. and that's, that's the thing that needs to happen. Yes. I, while he's being walked, the coffee is, is, you know, is going, whatever it's being made. But I come back in and literally sitting next to me here is my planner. Okay. I got very particular about having a planner a couple of years ago. I love it. And it works really well for me. On the top of my planner, there's a top three. There's a to-do list. It breaks it out by, um, by time. And some people will say, oh, Jenny, that's really fucking old school. Yes, but 
your brain really likes to physically write things down. It likes to cross things off. It loves it. If you want to be digital, you go ahead and do that. But I'm telling you, there's a benefit to physically writing things down. Yes. Something I did, and I'm, oh, I hate to interrupt you, sorry. Uh, yeah. Something I used to always do, and I remember seeing this book. It said, write it down and, and make it happen. Something like that. And I just remember I saw the book, and I think I purchased it. And what I like to do is, I used to do it, and I'm not doing it now. I don't know why. I got to get structured. Is it like... Right before I go to bed, I write what I want to happen down. And for some reason, I want to do it on a Sharpie. It makes it more, uh, it, I don't know, makes it more bold, I guess. But I write down a Sharpie on a yellow piece of uh, paper l- like this. I write mm-hmm. it down, look at it, say it out loud, and I go to bed. Now I wake up, look at it, and then I go about my day. And at the end of the day, I come in and, you know, most, some, most, more often than not, I achieve most of those goals. I mark it out. Sometimes, of course, you're not going to do it. but And that's what I used to always do. So the the next thing I do, and we'll talk more about that in a second. The next <laughs> thing I do is I have my journal. Yes. So I take, and this is not fancy. It's like a, you know, little bound thing off of Amazon. Like yeah. I don't, it's just a notebook, whatever. And I take that and I go sit on the couch and I write on there for whatever period of time. And I literally, I don't have a prompt I don't have some specific thing I'm writing about. I dump out whatever is in my head. It might've been, you know, some conversation that I had or something I'm thinking about, or, Hey, I'm going to be on BT's podcast today, blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm going for coffee in the morning with my girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like it's literally like just a free flow of thoughts. But what I found is it gets the shit out of my head. Yes. And I no longer have that constant like circle, 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 circle. The fog. Yeah. Yep. So I go straight from the planner to the journal. Then I meditate. For how long usually for you? Usually it's like three to five minutes. Okay. And then I go immediately from the meditation into visualization, which is what you were talking about. Okay. Visualizing yourself on like the dirt bike or the wherever. Mm -hmm. I go through a couple of different scenarios and it kind of depends. Maybe I'm visualizing like the house that I want to buy what it looks like working in that office, you know, who's in the house, how many dogs are there? There's going to be more than one dog. Yeah. Don't tell Hat. Don't tell Hat. I was looking for Hess. I forgot he's on the couch. <laughs> yeah. He, he's thinking he's going to be replaced. Yeah. No, he's just like, wait, I'm getting a sibling. Yeah. I and so, but I like to end with visualization first, because what I find is visualization like amps me up. I get really excited coming out of that because you're visualizing what your life is going to look like, where you're going to be. Like, that's a more of a, like a future kind of a thinking thing. Yes. Whereas a meditation is present. You're tr- not trying to think in meditation. You're trying to avoid thinking. You're trying to be calm and peaceful. And so that's, that's the order that I like to go through in my morning routine. Mm-hmm what you were saying earlier about writing things down at, at the beginning of each month, I write down on my bathroom mirror in dry erase, certain things that I want to achieve that month. Yeah. And the reason I started to do this is actually a client mentioned that she writes on her bathroom mirror. I have the most amazing ideas when I'm in the bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) It's not uncommon to have really good ideas in the shower, but no, it's great. I have the most amazing ideas when I'm in the bathtub, but what I find is that mirror, it's staring at me every single morning. Yes. And why I started to do that during my graduate program, every seven weeks, we had to do what was called a competence and character growth plan. Mm -hmm. 
we had to write down what area of our character we were working on and what, what areas we wanted to, what goals did we want to work on during that seven week period. As I went back and reflected on each of those, every single time, whatever I wrote down happened. Wow. Every, every time. time. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And they weren't like little shitty goals. They were like working on, you know, potential partnerships with people in motorsports and, you know, but, but people were reaching out to me. Like, it was crazy. It was like, oh, hey, I'm going to, you know, talk to this person about this potential thing. And maybe this thing is going to happen. And, but like, I would, I would write down like little steps because they wanted you to be specific. Like what steps, what three steps am I going to take to make like this in my stretch goal? What, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So every single time over the course of 19 months during my graduate program, every seven weeks updating that thing. So I liked how my client said she wrote it on her bathroom mirror. So I have three to five things because every month you shouldn't have a crazy amount. You have too many things. You're not going to get shit done. Right, right. So I have three to five things and some of them are work related. Some of them are personal life and, you know, some of them are working on me, this. Yeah. And, and that's what, honestly, and that's why, let me interrupt you real quick, is that if you follow anybody, follow her Instagram because you show the, the, the human side of you. It's like, you know, you're the coach, and, and, but you show that you're just like us because you said, I'm going to therapy right now. Wish me luck, guys. And, you know, therapy wasn't so bad. My ther- and I just thought that was so beautiful because I, I, a lot of times, I, I think sometimes we think like you have all the answers and you know this and that where it's like, you know, you're struggling too, like everybody else, or you're going through stuff. Like we all go through stuff, but you show that you're going through stuff. You show that, that human side of you like, Hey, I'm just like you guys, I'm trying to get over this. And so that's why I'm seeing a therapist. And I, and I just think that's so beautiful and profound. I mean, that, that really touched me a lot when you showed that like, Mm -hmm. wow, she says she's going to therapy. You know, here's a coach and they're going through therapy. I, that was, that's what really touched me last night when I watched, when I saw that. I'll, I'll drop a bomb here, BT, that I haven't shared anywhere um, since it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. I was recent, recently diagnosed with PTSD. Wow. Um, how, um, how? I mean, like, um, how, could you explain that maybe, please? How I was diagnosed or? Yeah, like, yeah, the, the whole thing. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So I recently, as, as we were just talking about, I recently started therapy again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was, you know, me realizing that, um, I had, I hadn't been in therapy in a long time and I'm a strong advocate for people seeking out therapy if they feel they need it and seeking out therapy, even if they maybe think that they don't need it because, you know, like with anything else, you go to the gym on a regular basis because you're, you know, you want to keep your body fit. Right. You need to keep your your brain fit too. Of course. You You know what I mean? You need to keep your mind um, in good shape. And unfortunately, um, I had a very abusive relationship, uh, a little over a decade ago. And that led to me, um, developing PTSD. Like, uh, was it, uh, uh, physical, physical and mental or, or both? Or? Uh, it was mostly mental and emotional. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so what characteristics did your P- PTSD, like, uh, what did it encompass? 
Because, I mean, so, if, if you're saying somebody like myself, and I, I'm struggling here because I don't know what to say, and I don't want to be insensitive. <laughs> no, no, honestly, I don't want to be insensitive. I don't want to no. come off like an asshole, like, and so, you know, you're like, wow, what an asshole this guy is. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> no. so help me, somebody like myself, because yeah. I don't want to sit here and just, you know, be quiet, like, you know, like, oh, boy, like when mom and dad get in a fight and, you're, you know, you got a friend over, like, okay, let's go, uh, let's go play uh, Hot Wheels. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So you help me. Well, so, yeah. Well, and, and my concern is this. And the reason I'm, I'm even saying anything is this, we have all collectively just gone through a very traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. And so I want people to be comfortable going to seek help. And I want people to realize that if they do get a diagnosis that for, for me, it was, it was less like shocking for me. I was like, oh, okay. You know, that's not so surprising. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm around a lot of people in the helping profession uh, professions and a lot of mental health professionals simply because of what I do. Right. But we've just been through a fairly traumatic uh, year plus now. Right. Um, some people are still in lockdown. Some people, you know, are not dealing with it so well. Yeah. For some people, it will it will bring on a diagnosis of of PTSD or similar disorders. And so I, I guess I'm the reason I'm saying anything now is because I don't want people to, to, I feel that as coaches, um, we have a responsibility to normalize mental health issues. Wow. Wow, man. I, ah, I, I applaud you for saying that. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, you know, I, I have no idea what to, to, to say. I, I've only dealt with that once, you know, and a friend told me he was, you know, in the military and, 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 and it's weird. How, it's like, they told me matter of factly how you did it. And it's weird for somebody like myself. Cause I'm just like, I, I don't know what to say. You know right. what I mean? Like, I want to say, I, I mean, of course, duh, I support you. Duh, but it's right. like, I don't know what to say after that. You know what I mean? I'm like stuck like, huh? Like, but what shouldn't, but shouldn't we get to a place where it's not any different than if somebody was like, hey, you know, I, I, I got diagnosed with diabetes. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, shouldn't it get to that place? Like, that's what I want to see. Yeah. Because, you know, to me, like, and again, like, I realize it's different for me than it is for, for other people. But like, for me, it's, it's not any different. And to, to people who, who know me and... Um, didn't know right. they, they'd be like really like I would never ever know yeah I mean honestly that that's why I think sometimes when when um you know things happen to people like sometimes especially being what I do like being a comic and you hear a mm -hmm. comic commit suicide you go and uh, to the outside world they go wow he was a comic he was alive at the party and like but as a comic you kind of know you know what I mean yeah. like there's you know, there's other comics we and yeah so it's like we know that by the nature of our because we have nobody to go I mean it's like I I understand that because I, I don't have anybody to go to because people come to me to feel like, ah, uh, cheer me up, whatever. And I know them, but right. I don't have anybody to go to. So if I get sad, it's like, I'm, I'm done because I have anybody to talk to, except for I got, I got a dog and I don't know if he listens, you know what I mean? I got a, right. I got a, <laughs> I got a six year old and he don't give a shit about me. So it's like, I got nobody to talk to. So I go through that. You know what I mean? So it's like, so when I hear you say, it's like, I get it, but it's like, wow. And there's that wow moment. And it's like, so you, when you, were you, were you, when you were in that relationship, and it's so easy to say, but like, 
what made you stay when you could have, you know, because on the outside looking in and from the outside and going, God damn, you're a fucking hot chick. Why don't you just go, well, bye, because I got all these guys, you know, uh, lined up. You know, who can't wait to go out with me. You know, I got I know one right now who's a brother who's a comedian. Then in LA, he's probably moving to Indianapolis, probably gonna go to podcast but in the future, who probably can't wait to go out with me. So why should I be, you know, dealing with your ass? So I mean, so from the outside looking in, like what made you stay and and take that abuse? Oh, yeah, that's that's the crazy thing. Like, so this person was a narcissist. Well, right. he's still a narcissist, he's not dead. Um but, Unfortunately, <laughs> I was um, gonna say we can make that. Happen. I'm just joking. No, I'm just joking. Just joking. But I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> I didn't mean that. We can cut that I, out, right? But yeah. So okay. okay. Oh darn! I know. I know where there's a ditch. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Okay. So, okay. um, what made me stay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was well, I was very much like I am now uh, when I when I met that person and so like super feisty and independent but if you've ever dated or known a narcissist which probably a lot of people who will end up listening to this will <laughs> yeah. um they're very good at manipulating and yes. finding yes your weaknesses and exploiting those. And so mine got exploited and, um, can, 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 can you give an example? I mean, I, I know I don't want to bring you down that road. And if you don't, I totally understand. But no. could you give it like a specific example? Because who you never know. Somebody yeah. might be watching and go, yes, that person did that to me. Like, so, yep. yeah. Yeah. So, for instance, I am a decent, good, kind person. Yes. Well done. And um, so this this person would like to um, everything everything would be my fault. Mm-hmm. Everything. And there was a lot of gaslighting that would go on. And so for instance, um, if I were to want to maybe do something, I'm trying to be very careful in my wording right now. It's okay. No, just be 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 open, man. It's it's all you, baby. It's all you. If if I wanted to do something away from the racetrack, uh-huh. um, suddenly that became like I was not being supportive, and I was not, um, I was not a, you know about that person, and I didn't want that person to succeed, and it, it had nothing to do with like maybe I just wanted to hang out with my girlfriends, or maybe I wanted to. You know, it wasn't about that. It was, you know, you don't want to see me succeed and you don't, you don't want me to win. And, you know, it was, it's all about them. It becomes absolutely all about them. And they will, they will make you feel terrible about everything that you do that is counter to what they are looking to, um, to, to achieve. And it's, it's just nonstop gaslighting. Wow. Until you, until you doubt your ability to make a decision. Wow. And, and man, it, it's hard. To, I mean, it's it, it hard to it just you proved the point that like everybody goes through something because I would think like, oh, my God, you would control a relationship. I mean, you'd be like, like I said, it's like you'd be like, well, it ain't working. Well, bye. I got this person. Boom. Or I, I can get this person. So yeah. the fact that, you know, that you that you stayed and dealt with that. And then like so when you finally broke free, like what what was the final deciding factor for you to go? I'm done. Mm. Um, he cheated for the, I don't know how many at the time, but I had proof of it. And 
And so I confronted him with that. Um, I, I called the other girl. I, I confronted him with the cheating and I was like, I'm not putting up with this. And finally got strong and left. Mm-hmm. But the lingering effects, uh, obviously, is what you were dealing with now. Mm-hmm. Had, did it? Did that sabotage your other relationships after him? Um, no. I so basically after that, I didn't really allow for relationships. I didn't really. I mean, I, I dated, but I didn't really um, put your heart into it. No, no. I, I very intentionally chose people who I could control. Wow. Meaning I could, meaning I could control them. Not that I could control them. That sounds terrible, but I could control mm. the narrative. Oh no! I, I don't trust me. I t- I totally understand. Like I mean, I think about you know me and my youth. I mean you know dating and gosh, yeah. I look like my back and go, wait, what an asshole I was. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just it's it's age and time and perspective. And if you have the ability to go, I did that. And I will, I will give my, myself a pat on the back, and I have reached out and apologized to you know people I did that to. So which yeah. you know I was happy I did that. So I, I I can breathe a little easier now. So like you know if I did that, hey, I'm I'm sorry. So I apologize yeah. for that. So so you did you purposely uh, date people or go out with people that you knew you can control the narrative with? Yes, um, and, I, I, and I, I I didn't date very much. Mm-hmm. Um, like even over like the last decade, I didn't date very much. And it was, I was much more concerned about my career, Mm -hmm. my education and, you know, um, really dating took a a back seat and was not really a priority. But did you say that because if you were afraid of what you experienced in in that relationship, because it was so toxic, is it, did, 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 all that going on and you were busy don't get me wrong but with all that going on did you but did you use that as a scapegoat in a way like oh, i got so much that i can't have a relationship oh 100 i i i knew mm-hmm. subconsciously mm-hmm. maybe even a little bit more than subconsciously right i i knew that i was uh prioritizing other things mm-hmm. and was intentionally because Anybody that tells you, even an, even an athlete who's like, I don't have time to date. Everybody's got time to date. They, they want to. If you want to make something a priority, you'll make something a priority. And so I never got a phone call. So even though you could have controlled my narrative, I never got a phone call. I never got I, a phone call. I wasn't calling anybody. I would have I would have rode my bicycle to wherever you were. I would have rode my bicycle. Not even my motorcycle, my bicycle. I would have been Black Tour de France to go see you. I would have been like, you know, <laughs> taking three or four magnesium pills every every hour on the hour. You could have controlled <laughs> me like, BT, if you don't ride your bicycle 100 miles, I guess you don't want this to work. I'll be there in a minute. I would have been like, you know, what's this guy doing? I would have been in spandex going up and down the Tennessee Hills to go see you. You got to control my narrative anytime. <laughs> well and it's it's funny too because i will see now again yeah. the same the same patterns in people whether it's it's executive coaching right. or mental performance coaching i'll see the same patterns that i've repeated mm-hmm. in, in people that i'm coaching wow and and i'll call them out and i'll be like hey so you know the the avoiding of the relationships or the avoiding of Sometimes it's not even just like romantic relationships, but maybe people aren't, they have no life team. They have nobody that's close to them. Mm -hmm. They'll have, because they haven't, they don't trust people for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe it wasn't a toxic, you know, relationship, but maybe it was a toxic friendship or somebody took advantage of them. It was a manager. It was whatever. I'll see the same patterns. And so for me, it's easy to recognize those patterns because I've 
I've done them. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So how do you establish that trust? Being, I mean, honestly, like, and I don't know how it works, but like to get a client, do they come to you, or do you say, mm-hmm. "Hey, listen," you know? Oh, they come to you. Mm-hmm. So, and how do you say? How how can you establish that trust? Like, listen, I I I I, I, I don't know if do you promise them like, "Hey, listen, I can make you." Uh, or say, I can really try to help you achieve this, but you got to trust me. And how, how can you establish that trust where they can, you know, and, and I can imagine a high, you know, I've never been a, a high grade athlete. I, I, I think I am, but I, you know, I never really was, but I always think I am. But how can you say, listen, trust me and have them, and have them say, okay, I trust you to get mm-hmm. me here mentally. Cause that's, cause we, everybody's physical. I mean, er, I mean, everybody's got the physical. Everybody's got mm-hmm. to, to, to get, obviously you're a professional athlete. You have that get up and go to actually do it, but it's always the six inches right here between the ears. That's what separates, uh, the, you know, the greats from the, the wannabes or whatever. So how do you get them to establish that trust? I have this weird, I guess, ability to establish trust, um, fairly quickly in client relationships. Mm-hmm. I, I don't tell people to trust me because I usually find that that's not a good way to get people to trust you. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Like, trust me. I don't trust this person. <laughs> I know. Once they say, trust me, you go, nah, I don't trust you. And you're like, I'm not trusting you because yeah. you just told me to trust yeah. you. Because <laughs> subconsciously, if you say that, people will be like, mm, no, I'm not going to trust you. Right. So what do you say? What do you say to them? If they go, hey, listen, if, okay, if I'm an athlete coming in and go, I'm thinking about giving a performance coach, like, why, why should I come to you? Why should I hire you? If I'm a co- if I'm an athlete coming in, let's just say I'm a let's just say I'm a high performance motorcycle racer or mm-hmm. bicycle or cyclist. I can do both because I'm, I'm I have that kind of talent. But let's just say I come yeah. in and go, listen, you know, I want to win the Tour de France. Uh, I'm about this close. Uh, you know, I, I lack this mental edge. Whatever. My, my, uh, this person says I need a uh, coach. What can you do for me? Yeah. So normally. I ask a lot of questions about them. I want to know. Like what? Let's, let's pretend I'm the, let's just pretend I'm the high grade athlete that I, I'm this close to achieving that level, popping champagne on the podium, being the man. Like I'm getting third and fourth, but I should be getting first and second. And so I need, I'm this close. And you're like, wow, this guy's this close. So I'm yeah. in your office right now and, and, and I'm thinking about hiring you. Let's give me that pitch. So, yeah. yo, so Jenny Shearman, like, uh, can you take me to the next level? So what's up with that? <laughs> well, first of all, BT, I, <laughs> I, don't give a, I don't give a pitch. And if somebody comes at me like that, I'm probably going to be like, you know what? I don't really see this working out so well. But, yo, uh, why not, Jenny Shearman? <laughs> no, Because <laughs> your attitude is making me want to run the other way. But in, in all seriousness, yeah. what, what I, I, I believe in client fit mm-hmm. and... So the first thing I would really do, it, it, I think what a lot of people maybe have a misconception about is like when they go to a, whether it's a mental performance coach or sports psychologist is that we're going to ask a bunch of questions and they're, you know, it's going to be, we're going to give advice. That's not how I work. That might be how somebody works. I don't know, but that's right. not how I work. Right. So what I would do initially is I want you to talk about you know, what areas that you are maybe struggling in. Mm-hmm. And there's certain, I guess there's, there are certain kind of questions, but it's a conversation. So tell me, tell me, you know, what it is that you're, you're having a hard time with Tell you know, tell me, tell me a little bit about that. And that would like, you know, you would say, you know, well, I just, um, you know, whatever. I, I feel Focus. like I could be, How yeah, I feel like, I, I feel like I could be performing better. And I'd be like, okay, tell me, tell me about that. Talk to me about that. 
How about me? Exactly. I lose focus. Me personally. Me personally, yeah, right, right now, me, me, me. I lose focus sometimes. I remember having a track day, and, I, and you would think, you know, being a track day or whatever, I'd be all in, which I was, but there came a time I just lost focus, and which is not oh. the time to lose focus. And I'd be like, and I went to the infield. I went off track a couple of times, and I had to bring it in and, and regain, like, okay, hey, you got to get it together, bro. And now I went back out, and I was good. But So if it's the mental focus, I, I need how to improve my focus. What, what does focus mean to you? Focus means being in the present at all times. Like in that moment, what I'm doing. And for some reason, I, I got, I lost. And it, you would think riding a motorcycle that fast on a track, I'd be all in, in which I was. But then I lost my concentration a couple of times. I'd, I'd be like, whoa. And the mind went someplace else. And you mm. would think, I, and, and that, and that, and that always, and that kind of bothered me in a way where I was like, I should be all in. And I was for 90% of that time, but that little 10% scared me in a way like, why am I not all the way in? And I went off track and had to, you know, like I said, I had to, re- I had the presence of mind to, to take it, to, to reel it in and, and go to the, the, the pit, whatever, and kind of like, okay, and I'm back out and I was good. So how would mm-hmm. I improve my mental focus to be in the so now? So what I'm hearing you say is 90% of the time, you're good, you're all there, but it's that little tiny bit where all of a sudden you're deviating. Am I hearing that right? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So during that time where you were deviating, was there, what exactly was it that was going through your mind? Man, looking back now, I I don't know. Uh, I just remember being at the New Jersey Sports Park, and for some reason there's a, it was weird. uh, When I was doing the track day, there was dirt on the track, a little bit of dirt on the track, and that just bugged the shit out of me and I kept thinking I was going to hit it and slide out and, mm. I, and I kept thinking and, and here comes that dirt part and I was good for most of the time but then that little 10% around that area I went outside and then all of a sudden I was in the I was like I'm not going to make this turn let me just go through the midfield and that happened like twice I think two laps in a row I was like alright apparently I'm not into this shit so then I pulled in got it together and went back out. And then I was in uh, England uh, at the Ron Haslam race school and, and, and I didn't go off track, but another thing happened. I was like, why didn't I do that? Right. And I, I lost concentration for a little bit. I don't know why. And I don't know where the, and I don't know where the mind went at that point. Like it, it, it deviated from the track for a brief second. Like, am I doing this right? Do I look like Marquez? Do I, and all of a sudden something else happened and I lost that concentration and I don't know why. So what I'm hearing you saying is certain external factors were distracting you mm-hmm. at two different track days. Right. But you don't know why they were distracting you. I have no idea. I mean, I really don't. I re- and that, that bugs me. That's why like, I'm so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. So what we would do is we would work on those routines that mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And we would also dig in a bit as to why the external is such a focus for you versus the internal. Okay. 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 I like that. Now, does self-talk play play a factor in this also? 100%. Are you you big into self-talk? Yes, I am. I, I I am too. I don't think I'm too far off the mark with you on some of the things as far as the goal set. I, I tell you what I like to do because uh, why I told me to wrap it up is that I want to talk to you about when we get off there here is mm-hmm. the, the writing on the, on the mirror thing. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know yeah. what kind of, because I think that is uh, real quick. I remember like when I lived in LA, I was broke as a joke out of $500 car, but I knew I wanted a truck and I, and I never thought to myself, I can't afford a truck. I never thought that. I just know I wanted a truck and, and I put a picture of a truck 
up to when I woke up, that was the first thing I saw every, first thing I saw, first thing I saw every morning I woke up, that's the first thing I saw. And long story short, I came home from the road one day and there was a stack of chicks on my bed from a, a show I did, you know, residuals. And, yeah. I, and I go, thank you, Jesus. And I went to the credit union. The credit union was closed on Monday. I went there Tuesday, deposited those checks. And Wednesday, I got the truck that I have now. And that's yeah. what I did because I visualized it. And that's the thing with the writing on the mirror. And I'm glad you said that. I, I, I think I take a lot of from all these conversations. And for some reason, I love that part right there and how you said all those things came true. They did. Like it, I thought, cause I had to look back, you know, a year back as just to see like what goals had I accomplished. And mm -hmm. then I started to look at all of them and I'm like, Oh my God, all of these things that I've you know been trying to achieve, I, I've, I've done them. I've, I've achieved them. And I, I thought it was crazy. Like I remember when I started the graduate program, I thought it was silly and crazy and, and, but writing all those things down, they all came true. And so it's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It really is. I mean, I hate, honestly, God, I hate wrapping this up right now because, like I said, well, we got to go. But, man, I I knew this was going to be the way it was. I knew it was. I mean, we got deep, and I learned something from you. I hope I doubt <laughs> you learned anything from me. But, I mean, honestly. I always learn something from you. No, no. I mean, honestly, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It's like, it's the little things. Like, I didn't know where I was going with this, and that little that little message you sent, man. It's those people like you, my buddy James East. It just kept me going because I didn't know, like, is anybody watching? Is anybody, am I doing this right? And that little message, you go, hey, good job. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, and it keeps you on the path. It's those little things. And and we got, and for some reason, little things is on your, you know, your Instagram. You say it's Mental Awareness Day. And that's what really drove it home to have you on here and talk. And like I said, it's a little, and the little thing, and the fact that you said you had PTSD, that's wow. And that was my wow moment on here. And I like having wow moments to make me go, Wow. You know, and so I'm glad you said that and let people know that, you know, not everybody has all the answers and we're all struggling with something, but they can come to you for help and come in or, or go someplace and get your help. It's OK now. You know what I mean? So I thank you for opening up, Jen. I really do. I mean, it from the bottom of my heart, man, I knew you were I, I just knew you were awesome. And this was more awesomer. That's not even a word, but I say it. Awesomer. So if you want to look up Jenny, go to jscoaching27.com. And it is a great website. Go to jscoaching27.com. And she deals with everything what we talked about. She has a testimonial. She talks about the uh, that we kind of got into about uh, the, 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 the meditation and the self talk and uh, the, the documentary you saw on Michael Phelps on HBO you talked about that and how you deal with injuries and still trying to perform so it's not just athletic it's about life and I love how you breathe life into this this is for everybody to have a better life and a set goal so I thank you for opening up and if you guys get a chance go to Instagram look at her I promise you it's one of the greatest Instagrams you'll have because it's enlightening and it's fun and it's who she is and that is a great great person and I mean it from the bottom of my heart Jenny Anything, anything you want to tell the people before we get out of here? Uh, be nice to each other. Just be fucking nice. <laughs> Just be fucking nice. That's why I may I work. I, I tell you, we're meant to be because honestly, I went to NEO A&M, the Fighting Norseman. Hello, my junior college Norseman. You got Nordic blood. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, I'm, we're on the show together right now. I mean, you know, I'm just saying. 
I'm just saying. So anyway, thank you so much. Seriously, for sharing everything. You're the greatest. Thank you guys for watching. If you want to hit me up, hit me up. If you want to hit, look up on Instagram. Trust me, I, you will not be disappointed. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. I appreciate it. And like I said about this time, you know the word. Peace.